G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Footyology TV, live from the studios of Southern FM in Brighton. Very good evening to you, Finey. Good evening, Rowan. Well, We're we, there. We are there. It's uh, an, an epic journey, but 23 rounds of home and away games done and dusted. What's that? 198 games, just nine to go. Of course, a huge final series almost upon us. And uh, breaking news, just a, a few minutes ago, we have the schedule for week one of the finals. Of course, we don't get to see that next week. It'll be the week after. But let's run through that final schedule for week one. Thursday evening, another Thursday night final. How big is this? At the MCG, the first qualifying final, Richmond and Hawthorne. And I know you want to say this because you've been banging on about it for weeks. For the first time ever. Incredibly, Richmond and Hawthorne will meet for the first time in the finals on Thursday week. Incredible they've never played before, but they'll do it before 90-plus thousand people. You would have thought sometime in the 70s they would have not bumped into each other. And and we did say the other week they almost uh, played off in a grand final in 74. Hawthorne just fell short of North in the preliminary. That will be absolutely massive. But so all the others. It's a ripper first week of the finals. Next on the menu, Friday night, first elimination final, back at the MCG, Melbourne and Geelong. Go and put your historical slant on that one. Well, the first two clubs, the really the very first two Australian rules football clubs beyond the school teams ever formed back in the 1850s. And as Melbourne have sort of awoken, you know, it, it's a dozen years since finals football, but Geelong and Melbourne games have been quite important. They've been watershed moments, haven't they? There was well, the they... win there was the win by Melbourne. Well first of all there was the annihilation of Melbourne two thousand eleven. That um cost the coach his position at the club. Dean Bailey. Then the sort of the first stirrings and Max Gorn's arrival onto the football scene, same when Melbourne beat him down to Cattery. Uh, they slipped back with another thrashing at the Cattery. Yep. And then this year, very close game at the MCG. Well, one, a, one decided on the siren and one decided after the siren. A, so Important uh, of things to come. Absolutely, we hope so. Saturday, a double header on Saturday again. Second elimination final at the SCG. A derby finding. Sydney v GWS, 4.20pm. And that feeds straight into the second qualifying final, Optus Stadium, 8.10pm Eastern Standard Time, West Coast v Collingwood. West Coast Collingwood, again, one of the few finals that have been played through into extra time. Was yes. The West Coast Collingwood final. 2007. Yes. And uh, going back further, um, 1994, uh, Mick McGuan's drop mark, uh, West Coast famous, prevailing. Yeah, First versus eighth, almost uh, in that incredible weekend of finals in 1994, and they've had a few good ones here as well. So they've got a bit of a history. And Sydney GWS have already played in the final, qualifying final two years ago when the Giants uh, surprised the Swans. And they meet 
all the time. They meet in practice matches. They meet in NAB Cups. They meet in Lightning Premierships. Wherever there's an opportunity to play those two teams against each other, they do play for obvious reasons. So we can expect a sellout at the showgrounds, I imagine. Absolutely. Uh, no, I think that one's at oh, the sorry, SCG. Sorry, that's at the SCG. It yes. is at the SCG. A mate. sellout nevertheless. Yeah, Sydney being the higher-placed team. Right. I will run through the ladder, and of course I've done it again. We're after your input, so you, so you see the Facebook feed there. Jump on, leave a comment, ask us a question. We'll try and read out the best ones and uh, respond to them appropriately. Let's run through the ladder quickly. Uh, top top four, Richmond, West Coast, Collingwood, Hawthorne, Tigers taking out the McClellan Trophy finally, 18-4. Fantastic season to back up a premiership. They have not missed a beat. No, and, and probably in the last uh, month they've started to Coast. really... Sh- yeah, they've, they've started to really show not only on the ladder but also just by the number of players that they've been able to move through the 22 and give some preparation time to those that are a bit injured, that there is a gap between them and the rest of the field. We can't deny that. That's not saying mm-hmm. that there's not an upset or two still left in this season. Very quickly, who do you reckon they'd least rather play of West Coast Collingwood Hawthorne? Collingwood. I actually reckon Hawthorne. Yeah, I've, I've, I would have thought actually Hawthorne is a team that they'd like to play. Well, it was round three, so it adds a bit of spice to it. Only one meeting, and it was a fair while ago, and a bit's changed since then. Anyway, that is the top four. The bottom half of the eight in order, Melbourne, Sydney, GWS, and Geelong. Let's run through the bottom half of the ladder, because uh, it's farewell to ten yep. teams. I want to f- just pay a, a bit of a tribute here to the side that ended up in ninth spot. North Mel- The North Melbourne Football Club, 12-10. Now... Given that 90% of the football world had them in the bottom two and several had them winning the wooden spoon, phenomenal season by the Roos, I reckon. They have finished just one game outside the eight. Can they parlay that next season into a, another meaningful tilt at the eight? Absolutely. Or, I think they can. Or You see, I think they're, they're still subject to the vagaries of the fixture and they need to get off to a good start. Momentum's important for a team like North. Yeah. That being said, you know, Trent Dumont finishes the season in fine form. He's certainly an improver. Magjack Dorr has arrived as a useful footballer. No, more than useful, a very good footballer. So there are some real pluses. Absolutely. No, it's been a great effort by the Roos. Uh, four teams finishing on 12 and 10. Yep. I mean, 12 is good enough to get you into the finals. Plenty of years. We've got four teams missing out. Port Adelaide, Essendon, Adelaide in order after the Roos. And then here's where the gap in the ladder is. A uh, what is it? A four game hound. Four games. Yep. Four game gap to Western Bulldogs. Who, the fast finishing Western Bulldogs. Yeah, they did finish a lot better than they started. They're on eight wins with Fremantle also on eight wins. Brisbane on five wins. I know you want to talk about them a bit later. Your Saints. Very or, disappointing. Ordinary season. Four and a half wins. Yep. Gold Coast four wins. And Carlton, and I'll be talking about Carlton a bit uh, later on, but statistically, their worst season in history, just two wins and 20 losses. That is the final ladder for 2018. Quick one off Facebook before we get into the wraparound. Uh, David Dobbs says, don't like Thursday night considering Friday is a work day. I'm not, I, I don't mind Thursday night, I've got to say. Oh, look, it is a... It is an impost. There's going to be 90-plus thousand people at that ground. Yeah. Near enough to a sellout. And it does impact on 
work working people. Yeah. It makes it very hard for it to be a, a game that you'd take your children to. And the first week of the finals allows you to get kids into the finals. Another very quick one from Simon McNabb, and I know you want to touch on this. So another weekend without footy. Can't get the hang of this pre-finals buy round. Now, I don't want to derail us, but I still, this is the third year we've had it, I don't like the pre-finals buy. Not so much for those reasons. I think it diminishes the advantage that the top four have worked all season to get. Now, we've had two years of it. We've had a side come from seventh, definitely assisted with that pre-finals buy. We've had a year where the top four reigns supreme. So this may not decide the argument one way or the other, but it certainly will tilt it one way or the other, I think. So the big, the main reason for bringing it in was teams playing secondary sides in the final week of the season. It happened, happened about three times. If their ladder position <clears throat> allowed it. Well, you know what? If their ladder position allows it, then more power to them. I guess the problem was not when the first team had that advantage. People thought that was fair enough. But when the eighth team started taking liberties. Who did that, though? North Melbourne? Well, North did it. uh, Oh, yeah, they're in the bottom half of the eight. That's true. Um, I still think it was a major overreaction. And uh, like I said, we're we're one all in that argument, really, that it has an effect or doesn't have an effect. I reckon what happens this year will be very important in whether we retain it. All right, we've got nine games to get through. For the last time this year, nine games, that is, we're going to keep going. Time now for... The wraparound. Rightio. Well, a huge round, and we're going to start with the match of the round, Finey, and it was the battle for a double chance. It was a pre-finals final, really, and uh, lived up to its billing. These two sides, they just have a habit of turning in tight games where the result is in doubt until the last couple of minutes, and it happened again and again. Not for the first time, the Hawks prevailed 12-11-83, defeating the Swans 10-14-74. They end up with a double chance. Swans miss out. I thought it was a cracking game. I thought the Swans weren't really lacking in any way. I mean, given they were without Franklin and Parker, major outs for them. That was the big shock that Luke Parker was joining uh, Buddy Franklin on the sidelines. Dan Hennebury got a bad corky, Mm. made him sort of... uh, well, rendered him lame, rendered him partially use, useless, and really they had to try and craft something. And five minutes, ten minutes into that last quarter, it looked like they were going to be able to find a way to win. Well, they kicked the first goal of that last yeah, that's quarter. Right. Tom McCartan, uh, a mark sort yeah. of um, from a quick kick forward, and it looked like just in the, you know, in the crushes that they were, they understood how to get the the ball forward, not with any science. Yeah. But they were winning those metre battles. But, and I've said this for a while now, you've heard me say it, Hawthorne's big advantage over the rest of the finals uh, rivals, and I include Richmond in this, is that experience in the clutch moments. Now, I, I wrote a match report on this game, which you can see on footyology.com.au. I know this was decided by nine points, but even in the last three seasons, 16, 17, 18, post their premierships, They've been part of 15 games that have been decided by a goal or less. How many of them do you reckon they've won? 12. Yep. And a draw against GWS. So they've lost two games that have been decided by a goal or less. That is an incredible strike rate. And I just felt once they 
Well, actually, even before they got in front, once um, Harry Morrison, and what an outstanding last quarter he had. He had nine disposals, kicked the goal, got him back within a point. I thought at that moment, and the Irish they're going forward. to do it again. Connor Nash, yep. yeah, he had some good moments. Uh, of course, Ricky Henderson, great goal to actually get him in front and then um, sealed the deal with one last goal. Great kick from Roughhead into the square, Luke Bruce Marks, and uh, all over she wrote. But uh, Roughhead hadn't really done much, but he bobbed up in the last and quarter. And that's what he understands. Look, you're not going to get the Roughhead of old, and people have to understand that he went through a year of, you know, a year, a year of personal physically demanding the battle against cancer. And people seem to forget that. Mm. They expect plenty of rough, but he knows, you're 100% right, he knows when to deliver and how to deliver when it matters. But he's not the only one. Sean Burgoyne, you know, he's of had course. a lot better yep, games, yep, but yep. he did it again in the last quarter. Yep. Jack Gunston. Isn't it great to have somebody who can kick a goal? Yeah, and, and Luke Bruce, another one. And, actually, and he he gets undersold richly, this guy, but William Shields, I think he had 10 disposals yeah. in the last quarter. Their senior players are all uh, are also their most reliable players. You know, even Jay Gromira, who had not had a good game, mm. found his best touches, and it became, he's now Hawthorne-like, isn't he? Yeah. He, he was sort of lost in the... You know, lost in translation. Mm. Um, you know, you know, they're starting to remind me a bit of. They've got fewer of the younger brigade, but they're reminding me more and more of the '93 Baby Bombers side. In that, there's a clutch of super experienced guys who you know will deliver week after week. But the the kids are having more and more impact in that side. Morrison, Warple, you mentioned Nash. He, Nash looks he looks like he knows. What to do on a footy field? Yep. I like the the blend of it. It's been it's been a remarkable resurgence by a club which, uh, what six games into last year was seventeenth on the ladder with a one five record, having just been annihilated by Gold Coast and St Kilda. Exactly. Yeah. No. Phenomenal. Um, where where are Sydney? Do you think that, does that defeat spell the end of Sydney's flag chances? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Brave another finals campaign. Yeah. Credit where credit's due. That is, you know, every year they make the finals, it should be noted how reliable, how honest, how hard they are to beat. But they're not winning it from where they are on the ladder. Okay, another one without notice. Um, can Hawthorne win the flag? Uh, no. And, and um, look, I tipped a Richmond Hawthorne grand final, so I've got great belief in Hawthorne yeah. at the start of the season. Yeah. But I... Just feel that that midfield just doesn't quite have the depth or the spread or the carry of a Richmond midfield that is. They're they're only they're only just waking up. I uh, yeah no true and Richmond definitely my tip at this stage. But I think Hawthorne can win it, and I think this qualifying final. Um, I think if Hawthorne lose it, they can't win. Then win the flag. Yeah. I think if they win it, um, I'd change my flag tip to them. I think. Yeah, look, massive, massive final that's going to be. Look, Richmond have they are timing their run to a point, but they've still got a couple of key players that will have missed some footy and the bye. Now's the time to get them. You're right. No, they're they're cherry ripe. Um, all right, let's move on. Game two, and it was at the MCG this afternoon. Melbourne taking on GWS, and Melbourne broke their. Duck, if you like, last week against top teams in a fantastic win over in Perth. 
I reckon there were still a few people this week going, oh, they had a big one last week, so they won't be able to back it up. Well, they did more than back it up. They smashed the Giants. I thought the Giants were really, really ordinary. But Melbourne didn't allow them to be good. It was a great pressure-packed performance. 45 points in the end, 15-12, 102 to 8-9-57. Puts Melbourne in a pretty good position for... Hang on, guys. Oh, you've got to lean back. (laughs) We're covering the scores. I know you get excited and you want to lean forward. I do too. No worries. Uh, Melbourne, 15-12-102, GWS, 8-9-57. I reckon the Giants are just about shot. Yeah, they don't have a ruckman. So... Actually, they're doing okay in the clearances, but they are just... Well, they have a nominal ruckman. He just got his pants pulled down. Correct. Uh, Their key forward, obviously, since the injury... (coughs) Pardon me. Since the injury of Patton, Cameron has come back without great focus Mm -hmm. or... Or purpose. What about that handball he gave? Well, off to, to Zach Langdon. Oh. Oh, that that was. If you haven't watched the game, then you can watch it. the The entire match in five seconds. Um, the ball spilled to Cameron, who was at the top of the goal square on his own. He looked sort of um, laconically picked it up and decided to handball instead of kicking it. Now, a focused Cameron surely just bangs it through. Mm. But he just slammed the ball so hard, handballed it so hard to his little teammate running past, it embarrassed him. Zach Langdon, GWS in a nutshell, they they tried, they were in the game until it got tough. Because actually the first quarter, it was quite a, <coughs> you know, it lacked the intensity of, of a game that had quite a bit of importance to it. But then Melbourne, you know, ratcheted the... Ratcheted the, the screws and made it a bit harder, and GWS said no thanks. It, it did, actually, you're right. I thought early on it, it was a bit sort of lackadaisical. But, yeah. yeah, Melbourne definitely ramped it up. Now, here's a couple of reasons why the Giants can't win it. They're two wins out of 14 appearances at the MCG. That is a significant stat for me. Yeah. The other one, and this has sort of got under the radar a bit, yes, I know they beat Richmond narrowly. They beat Collingwood very narrowly in round two when the Pies were a shadow of what they are now. They beat Hawthorne narrowly. Having said that, their record against top eight teams this year is three and six. They are the only three wins they had, and I think they lack that tougher edge. Uh, right. uh, do you think they're tough enough to win it? No, no. That, player by player, they've got plenty of tough footballers. Don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, Canilio is a hard man. They, they've got, they're not a team without backbone. But, no, sorry, their players have backbone, but they're a team without backbone. They mm. seem to not not go into the trenches and fight for each other when things get tough. One thing that makes a great football side is brave acts tend to encourage other players to greater heights of bravery and, and self-sacrifice, commitment. And you don't get that infectious... Um, they're on today, feel with GWS. The no. only time you feel they're on is when they're taking the ball coast to coast with slick, you know, with with sort of almost um, Harlem Globetrotter style, you know, tricks and skills. Yeah. But have you ever really felt, gee, they're tough as, they're, they're, they're here, they're, they're No, wild. no, I feel, I, I hesitate to use the word show ponies, but I, I think all front runners. But I've got to say that, yeah, they don't have that steeliness that a, a successful finals combination needs. Let's talk about the Demons, because I think it's fair to say they're in a much better position now. I mean, they both, actually, having said that, they both start their finals in the same position. But 
Uh, now, Darren Fagg has said Frost's run out of the back line was outstanding. It was. Yeah, and Tony TC mentioned that uh, they didn't give a yelp, and he saw some infighting at three-quarter Among time. Among the Giants? Yeah, they're not above that, by the way, a bit of bickering amongst the, uh, amongst the teenage stars of yesteryear. Well, okay, do we think... I have a theory that Melbourne's... Of the bottom four in the top eight, I think Melbourne has by some margin the biggest upside. I think they can be absolutely explosive. We know they're the high-scoring side in the league. Great spread of goal kickers again today. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Again. Um, so they've got plenty of uh, forward options, even without Jesse Hogan. Yep. Jack Viney could be a really important inclusion. Question mark over how much footy he's played. Dom Tyson will not be there. Put it this way, I guess what I'm saying, I'd, I don't think this flag can be won by a side from the bottom half of the eight, but if I had to nominate a side most likely to do it, it would be Melbourne by some margin. Remember, you know, you quite rightly um, place great store in finals experience and, and big game experience for the Hawks. Mm. I mean, Melbourne are entering uncharted <clears throat> waters. Yeah, that's true. Even against Geelong, a team that I really feel that the MCG they should beat and I'll be tipping Melbourne... Mm. Geelong might just be too canny for them. Remember, Geelong have proven finals stars, Ablett, Selwood, Dangerfield, Hawkins, that might just get them over the line a good in the final. I'll tell you what they don't have. Uh, they don't have a very good record on the MCG. No, they the don't. I'm times. saying I'll be tipping Melbourne. Yeah. With Gorn and the MCG, I think Melbourne should win that game. But maybe the finals could be the reason that they don't. Yeah. No, well, it's another really appetising game. Let's move on to our third feature game of this round, and it happened at Optus Stadium, twilight Saturday evening, late afternoon, evening, Fremantle Collingwood, and we speculated on the audio podcast on Thursday, Freo were just as likely, even after getting their absolute behinds belted by the Cats, 133 points. They were just as likely to turn around and give a decent showing. I, I tipped them. And, oh, did you? Yeah. It was, well, it was a brave call, and it wasn't far wrong. Nine points in the end, the margin to the pies, 11-10-76, defeating the Dockers, 9-13-67. You know what, though? Like, Frio got close. Hayden Ballantyne scored that goal, got them within... Is that their only goal? Below? Yeah, it was their only goal the last quarter. But I, I just had this sort of inner belief that Collingwood would yeah, so do what I. they needed to do. And up, but did you expect my check to be the man to do it? Well, it's becoming that sort of year for them. And, and like I, I was singing their praises on Twitter after the game. But, geez, it's been a wonderful effort. I mean, Brady Mychek, last year, playing with Port Melbourne. Playing, in defence. In defence. He's bobbed up. He's got 23 goals from 12 games. Actually, I'm, I'm talking about Collingwood in more detail, so I don't want to steal my thunder here. But... I was really confident someone would bob up and do the right thing, and that's exactly what happened. Um, they've had a, a wonderful season, and, uh, you know, not without a show against West Coast, even in Perth. Yeah, look, it was an interesting game. Fremantle were clearly up for the battle, so Collingwood knew from very early on that they were playing an engaged Fremantle Dockers. Nat Fife, even though he didn't have a lot of the ball, he's a commanding sort of footballer. He draws a crowd, mm. and he gives players around him a bit more confidence and self-belief. Lockie Neal was focused. The man in his last game played... Yeah, turned back the clock a couple of years, Michael Johnson. He mm. was steady and actually quite creative off good the back goal, line. Good goalkeeper save in the last quarter. Yeah, he, he did some really... You know, he, he lifted himself for one final game of AFL football. Yeah. When things were not going well for the Pies, Brodie Grundy proved to be a great 
um, you know, a, a, a great bulwark. Uh, he stood up. He got far more possessions than his opponent, Sean Darcy, and he basically put the finger in the dike until the rest of his team. Pendlebury played very well, and then slowly but surely, other Collingwood players became engaged in the game. Still side bottom. I mean, the, the, you sort of, he's one of those guys you take for granted now, but how good was he? 32 disposals, massive last quarter. He and Pendlebury just consistently, you know, sort of, pick them up by the scruff of the neck when they need picking up. I, I, I thought both of them were terrific. The numbers might not be as good as Pendlebury or Sidebottom, but there were a couple of great individual efforts, small things, but important things by Taylor Adams. Yeah. Stood up in defence late in the game yeah. at the top of his own defensive goal square, where it seemed the only thing he could do was either... Um, well, he had to go for the ball, but it looked like he had to be caught holding the ball, but yeah. he was able to move the ball out of that situation and get it in transit. He's a, a very good footballer. A uh, quick one from Trevor, who says, so Collingwood lose, they fly back for a seven-day break against a lower finishing team with extra rest. WTF. Uh, hang on, let me comprehend that. Seven-day break uh, against a lower-place team. They'll play Melbourne or Geelong. They'll play Melbourne or Geelong, who... We'll have had, oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. have had an extra day's break. Look, I tell you what, the, the argument around Collingwood and seven-day breaks, six-day breaks, and interstate trips has been an ongoing one for and against for years now. The only people that don't care about it are the players. Mm. They couldn't care less. Well, they've got a great record on the road, so I mean, yeah. it's it's a seven-day break's fine. You know, if they're being forced into a a six-day break on travel, well, that can be unfair. But they'll play. If they lose, they'll play the Saturday after. Even six-day breaks. I know with the fixturing, the clubs get... Uh, they're not fussed by six-day breaks. They're fussed by back-to-back six-day breaks. Yeah. Actually, even then, more back-to-back-to-back. And there's only a couple of them a season now. Uh, in a nutshell, Freo, where are they? Oh, look, we've sort of... I think we worked Freo out halfway through the season. And they are allowed to live in a, <clears throat> pardon me, in a vacuum in Perth that seems to be very forgiving of atrocious efforts on the road mm. because, you know, they've come back, they're in a big game against Collingwood, it's a near sellout, it's a sunny day, there's pre-match entertainment, all is forgiven and forgotten. But the sum total of their season is that have they advanced many players' careers? There's one player who's a standout. He started the season extremely well, was injured for the bulk of the season and came back, and he looked great. Now, Tabernet is a person yeah. you can build a football team around. No, I've come around on him. He did look. He played really well, didn't he? Yeah, because um, McCarthy and Kirsten are surplus to needs. McCarthy? How about the kick? How about his kicking? Well, there was three times in a row he touched the ball and stuffed it up, and then Kirsten, of course, uh, bungled that pick-up yeah. that ended up in the goal to... My check that basically sealed the win. So careless football by McCarthy. Shallow kicks across the ground. Yeah, I don't know where those two are at contractually, but uh, gee, they'd be lucky to survive a purge. Yeah. I would have thought. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on. Still plenty of other games on the menu. Let's go back to Friday night now. Port Adelaide, Essendon, and uh, really good win by the Bombers in the end. I thought 17-9, point victors over the Power. A very disappointing Power. Thirteen eleven. 
89. I thought uh, they made all the early running, the Bombers, and they just held that margin, basically, for most of the game. Um, you, did you think Port were a chance of coming back? Sort of half a chance. They were basically kept in the game for mine by Justin Westhoff, who was Pollock, fantastic. Well. Yeah, Pollock was all right, wasn't he? But five goals to Westhoff, yep. 20-odd disposals, I think, eight marks. Um, the your, bomb- your bloke was good. Who's my bloke? Langford. He's a good, oh, the he's a good, he's a good kick. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, like he, oh, he's a long-termer. Don't worry about that. Yep. Um, well, see, this is a thing, and it's easy to get excited about the side you follow, but um, they have set themselves up for a massive cricket next year. Langford has emerged. We've seen guys like Guelphie come into the side and offer a bit. What about Aaron Francis over the last few weeks? How exciting is he? Now, there's two players, one of which I feel sorry for, because remember, Danaher will return next year. Yeah. So either Mix Brown or McKernan, mm. Sean McKernan, are going to probably miss out. Well, and neither of them deserve to. No, they're both... Mix, the, the, Mix Brown's been great. He has, and, and basically stood up when McKernan... And, Got injured. And the thing is, Brown can be played as a key defender. I was going to say, you feel that Essendon need another tall defender? Yeah, I think do. you've got him. Yeah, no, I reckon that's a good call. I mean, they've, they've had to use Paddy Ambrose in that role, and I don't think he's big enough to do that. So, um, hopefully, Brown is easily his best season of AFL footy, so I hope that they can find a spot for him. But they're going to go into the pre-season so supercharged with confidence. Port... Uh, Quick word on Brendan Goddard. It was a really solid game by him to finish off and yep. a nice send-off, even if he had to be interviewed on the ground for about 27 minutes afterwards so Channel 7 could try and get him to cry, which, to his credit, he failed to do. What about that? Anyway, we'll get on to that. A couple of players for Essendon that I think if they can be more, not used better, but maybe have a more defined place in the team, mm. I think... The improvement comes from within with McGrath and Parrish. Oh, yeah, no, Par- I'm glad you said Parrish. McGrath um, has been a little bit up and down the second half of the season. Can you define his role exactly? Well, I think they're trying to turn him into a mid, but it's sort of still half-back mid, but I reckon he will become a mid. Parrish, I think people were starting to have real doubts about Parrish. He got injured halfway through the year. His last month has been easily the best footy he's played. And he was terrific. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Quick one from Jaron Parkinson. Yep. Was it Mark of the Year on Friday night? Well, it was an optical illusion because... Aaron Francis. Aaron Francis about. climbs over the top of Paddy Ryder. Yeah. But when he lands, it's like he only dropped three inches. He didn't... There wasn't much of a drop Correct. factor. Correct. It was, it, was, it was like he took it on the side of a mountain. But I think... Um, <laughs> it was I, great I, I think what you were paying was the hang time. There it was, was a, considerable it hang was time. It was a lovely, lovely leap. I reckon the consensus is the mark of the years between Francis and Isaac Haney for that. Which would, yeah. which do you prefer? You know, I, I thought Francis's was beautifully timed. Yeah. I, that, to me, that's a classic mark. Yeah. When he was up there, it was not dissimilar to Andrew Walker's mark yeah, over yeah. Carlisle. Correct. But he landed. Yeah. I don't know how well, Walker's, got... Walker's a bit smaller. I don't know. It was, just, it was funny how... I wonder if they won't give it to the Essendon player because of uh, Joe Danaher controversially winning it last year over Jeremy Howe. Is it still a popular vote? Because if it is, it shouldn't be. Uh, that makes it an unpopular decision. All right. The, let's the worst, just quickly, the worst ever goal or mark of the year? Worst ever? Yeah. Um, for me, it's Silvani's back heel. 
Golvier. That was yeah. Matthew Lloyd, wasn't it? Was it Lloyd or yeah, Matthew Lloyd? Sorry, Matthew, Matthew, Matthew Lloyd. Yeah, no, that, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> if you know what, it's not goal of the year if I could do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair <laughs> enough. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's go down the category where, for the second week in a row, um, an opponent down its luck was put to the sword. <laughs> Two hundred point wins in a row for the Cats. One hundred thirty three last week. One hundred two this week. Twenty two ten. One forty two. Defeating the hapless Gold Coast, 5-10-40. Four to Dangerfield, who had a, a cool, I think, 34 touches as well. Three to Kelly. Only two to Hawkins. Seemed to be... Uh, in fact, the early going in that game, Tomahawk seemed so intent on being the team man, it, it cost himself some goals. It's as though he said, do not try yeah, and feed me this I want to show him a team player. Oh, yeah, Sam Ryan, just on marks of the year. Worst mark of the year, Ablett's non-mark. I'm with you, Sam. And you know what? It's a great call, Sam. Sam, big thumbs up, mate. Didn't hold it nearly long enough. And people say, oh, look, you know, let's not be too picky here. It was such a great leap. It wasn't great. There was nothing great. He was off balance, yeah. never took possession of the ball. Yeah. It was like that one Kelvin Templeton took against you guys when he kicked his 15th goal. His, 14th, of, his 14th went straight through his it, hands. He slapped his hands on the way but, down. I've got another controversial call for you. Warwick Kappa, 1987. Hands in the back. Should have been free kick to Chris Lane. Okay, you see, that's one where you could say, I, I, I would say that you could say with that, you know, just for the sake of the theatre, pay the mark. All right. Okay? But this one wasn't a mark by Ablett. It wasn't even close. Okay, we, we're going to talk about this game because we're running out of time. So no, people leaving comments. No, it was a great comment, Sam, but like, keep it on what we're talking about and then we'll get to the other stuff later because you know what we're like. We'll just ramble on for hours. Quick Mastro. David Haley says, Evening, Rowan and Finey. Do you think Melbourne should risk Ruddick, Aaliyah and Stanley it's against Melbourne? Yep. What did I say? Melbourne. Sorry, okay. Geelong. Um, good call. Well, Abbott's been pretty solid for him, hasn't he? Why wouldn't you play Abbott? I mean, Stanley's going to be up against it against Gordon. Radical Air was giving him something, though, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't play him this week because they said that he was right to play in the VFL. Harder coming back from a leg injury. I'm, so, I'm saying, but they, they, they played him in the VFL. Well, yeah. Surely playing against Gold Coast at home is sort of like playing in the VFL. Okay. Honestly. Two, two very... What are you laughing about? <laughs> Oh, two very quick questions. Um, I forgot what they are now. What was it? Uh, Geelong, Stanley. Uh, no, Gold Coast. Yes. Where, where Have they got any sort of future at all, or is it just more gloom and burn? I wish you'd ask me, where's the Gold Coast at? Um, well, where are they at? Three minutes from Cool and Gadda by plane. Yeah. I mean, they are just, you know, honestly... Still question marks about Stephen May. Still some suggestions that he's not going to hang around. Uh, Andrew Philpott, is this about this game? Yeah. Bottom five finished the season 322 over the last five games. Does the AFL have a problem? No. No, I, I think no. competition is as even as it's been, even at the bottom. Yep. Go through, go back through the ladders. There's always weak teams. And I think with the exception of Carlton, I shouldn't say this because Carlton beat my team, but, uh, you know, Brisbane finished, what, fourth last. They were pretty competitive for a fourth last team. Yeah. Even Gold Coast had... Four wins. I mean, St Kilda were very disappointing, but last week Hawthorne had to win that game against St Kilda, and they went perilously close to losing. It. And particularly in a eighteen-team competition, you know, you can't all be within a hair's breadth of each other. So, no, I'm very anti 
knee-jerk responses to sometimes being down the bottom of the ladder, and that includes the Blues. I know they've been down for a while, but um, you know I'd argue one priority pick doesn't make enough of a difference anyway. The problem with Gold Coast is everybody wants out. Yes, that is a sizable problem. Let's move on. Uh, MCG, Saturday afternoon, Richmond, the Western Bulldogs, and the Tigers just got up 15 8 98 defeating the Western Bulldogs 14-11-95. If ever the Tigers were going to drop one, it was probably this game, given they had top spot locked away. Certainly didn't hit it with their usual intensity, did they? They were three goals down at one stage, I think, in the second or third yeah, quarter. Um, Damien Hardwick tried not to be rude in the press conference, and he said, look, I, Bulldogs were the better team. They should have won. Mm. But he, he was a pains to point out, we cannot play like that in the finals and expect mm. to win. And they won't. But... They, were, they weren't terrible, though, were they? What was missing, though, was that pressure. Yeah, and they just, you know, they were not intense. And no. without their intensity, their small forward line is just a small forward line. Yeah, really. ball, ball was pinging out of there fairly yeah. quickly, wasn't it? Um, but you know what, Richmond supporters, for some, I don't know, I don't know what magic water you've drunk over the last couple of years, whether you've been to Lords or wherever, but even... When things aren't right, they just don't know how to lose. That's Lords, L-O-U-R-D-E-S. Yeah, yeah not the cricket ground. I'm not even religious. Um, Lords. Uh, quickly, while we're talking about Richmond, I did mention earlier, Jack Rewald, of course, winning the Coleman medal. Was that his second or third? Third. And he won his first in 2010. Ten, yeah. So that's a good span of football, isn't so it? So 65 for Jack, 61 for Ben Brown, the finish, 58 for Hawkins, 57 Franklin, and 53 for Luke Bruce. Great effort by the small forward. Richard Green says, please talk about Reese Conker. Cannot keep his spot when Lambert comes back. No chance. He's not um, in their best 22. Yeah. Was he the most, definitely the most vulnerable though? Who else was in that side? So Baker and Garthwaite already yeah. out. Yeah, that's right. So, look, you've got, a, you've got a team that still, you know, has to incorporate, obviously, Kang Lambert's a key player for them. Yeah. Um, but Reese Conker is... Unfortunately for Reese, a, a perfectly good footballer who's not quite as um, well. He doesn't have the ball winning, winning ability of Kane Lambert. Okay. He doesn't quite have the he doesn't quite have the um, speed to apply the pressure of other players. Okay, so Conker makes way for Lambert. Who makes way for Butler? Um, that's difficult, isn't it? Tell us what you think, Richmond fans. We'll uh, first to reply. We'll uh, we'll read it out and give your thoughts on uh, a very tricky selection matter for the Tigers. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's very difficult, isn't it? It is. It's a nice problem to have uh, going into a final series, isn't it? Yeah. All right, let's move on. Saturday night, Etihad Stadium, carnage, absolute carnage. And I, I've got to say, I thought this might happen because Adelaide. Uh, go right at Etihad Stadium, and they go right against weak opposition, and they'd be pretty pissed off about not being part of the finals. It all added up to a shellacking, and that's what we got. 104 points, 26-9, 165, to the hapless Blues, 8-13-61. Seven goals to Josh Jenkins. Four goals to Gallucci, who is one of the upsides of this year for them. Three to Atkins, three to Betts. Huge spread of goal kickers. Um, this is a sort of footy Adelaide can play. got his first goal. Yes. Isn't he blonde? Blondie. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, 70 odd years ago, we know what he would have been doing. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> 
fighting in a war. Um, but yeah, that's the sort of footy. That's the sort of footy. I don't, I don't know why I went there. Um, what do you make? What do you make of the game? Just get on with it. What do you make of the game? Um, oh, the Carlton. They need a new coach. You see. No, I agree with that. I, but yeah, I do. You know, there comes a point in time. Don't steal my thunder here either. Well, there comes a point in I don't know what your thunder is, but there comes a point in time it's where players really are only playing for their own survival, but also supporting the system under which they are currently playing. And there's no belief in that system. Remember, this is a team that. When was the last time they scored 100 points? 2016. Okay, so they've given up scoring for last year a more conservative, defensive, and harder-to-score-against philosophy. Now, the players have thrown that out, so they don't believe in it. Well, they said the weird thing is that pre-season this year, they you could see that they were trying to attack more, and they looked better for it. Now yeah. they're No, I agree. They're sort of like a, a bit of this and a bit of that, and... Not much good at anything, really. Well, they've abandoned, you know, they've abandoned the basis of Brendan Bolton's rebuild. I believe. Yeah, no, definitely some soul heavy duty soul searching going. There's, I reckon a hundred to one that Rats would go back there. Reheat yeah. on soup type thing. I, I think he's. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not saying I've spoken to him about this or anything, but you know, they, they. Did the wrong thing, Bond? Yes, and Carlton has done that to quite a few people over the years, but I don't think they've done it to anyone quite as badly as they did it to him. So, you never know. But, um, yeah, I will get to Carlton later. Okay, we've got two more games to get through in this. Brisbane West Coast, up at the Gabba, had Danger Game written all over it for the Eagles. Didn't pan out like that at all. I thought it was a really solid effort by the Eagles. Ordinary by Brisbane, and I know you want to talk about that later, but 26 points in the end, 14-14-98, defeated Brisbane 11-6-72. Pretty even first quarter. Eagles got the break in that second quarter, four goals to two behinds, and basically just held Brisbane at arm's length thereafter. Really good game from Jamie Cripps, who I will also talk about later. Jack Darling was good. Um, the small forwards, you mentioned them quickly before. I think Rioli and Ryan, Ryan both look yep. pretty good. Um, Mark Hutchings, another good game. He's a vastly improved player. Jack Redden. Um, in fact, Redden and Hutchings, when you're looking at reasons behind their improvement, they're two of the main ones. And now they get their two home finals. Um, they're, I don't know. I, I don't know why people won't talk about them more in premiership terms because in, if you look over the... Uh, duration of the season, they deserve, as they have finished, deserve to be ranked next cab off the rank behind the Tigers. To me, best news for them was <coughs> Darling, who I don't think has been great for about four or five weeks after a, a, you know, a bit of a layoff, was in touch. Mm. Uh, Adam Simpson has confirmed that Josh Kennedy will play next week or in a fortnight. Yeah. So they are starting to get back, obviously they will not get Nat Nui and Gaff back in any way or form, but they are starting to at least put together a forward line that would definitely be, of of all the finalists, that would be 
the weapon that could win a grand final that would worry... The scariest. The, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. That would worry more teams than any other forward line, I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll put it to you quickly then. Okay, two home finals. Let's say they win their qualifying final and get a home preliminary final. Yep. Prior to them playing that preliminary final, would you say they're a reasonable chance to win the flag? No, I don't think they are. I, I reckon if they get to a home preliminary, they have to be. They've got to win there once. And they beat Collingwood there... Uh, midway through this season, and it was a bloody good effort. So uh, okay. people shouldn't be selling them short. And this is why it's such a great top four, because I think Hawthorne have their claims. I think the Eagles do, and Collingwood's spirit is such that they've got pretty decent claims too. Yep. That's also why I think the flag, the Premier will definitely come from one of those four sides. All right, I've wrapped up with the game, that, which in material terms didn't mean a lot. A uh, couple of things riding on it. Well, Ben Brown, could he get enough goals to pinch a Coleman where well, he didn't. Um, no, no, it's all about team. Last game for Jared Waite, so yeah. appropriate send-off for uh, Jared. And another good win to the Roos, giving him 12 wins for the season. 17-15, Defeat of the Saints, 14-10, They're your team. What did you make of it? Look, some, that game was somewhere Saints. between a practice match and a serious game of football. Was it that lacking in pressure? Yeah. Um, and uh, <clears throat> to be honest... If you're going to play that sort of game of football, if you're going to play a game of football that is keepings off, then Sinclair's not going to beat North Melbourne. North Melbourne have got far more skillful players in the likes of Higgins. Uh, Dumont was fantastic. Wood before he got injured. They've got forwards that they can go to. I've got one thing to say to you. What? Blame back a bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's People know the score. Yeah. If they don't know I it, I know, it's... but we go to some trouble. <laughs> if if they don't know it, it's irrelevant because... You know, for St Kilda, again, it was um, good service by a couple, Stevens, uh, Stephen, Stephen and Steele, Jack Steele. They will fight out the best and fairest. They both finished the season very well. 34 for Stephen and two goals. Yeah, Jake Carlisle checked out two weeks ago before his child. I don't know why they brought him back. He seemed disinterested. And Logan Olsen actually tried hard against Ben Brown. Who's, ben Brown's been out of sorts for a few weeks in terms of his marking. Or did he finish up with Brown? Three. Well, he kicked three. Yeah. One of them was on the lead. The other two were sort of crazy. One from the boundary yeah, saw, yeah. and one from on his back in the goal square. So he really wasn't marking and kicking. All right. Well, Cunnington's a champ, by the way. Is it? Cunnington is unstoppable when he gets a ball. You cannot tackle him. He will always dispose of it. He will win North's best and fairest, you'd think, wouldn't he? Um, Higgins had a pretty good season. I don't know how... It depends how the voting works. You know, some yeah, clubs, yeah, yeah. it suits ex it's, excellence consistently. Just while we're talking about North, too, in case you're not aware, North fans, great documentary on Fox Footy Tuesday night at 9pm called... What is it called? Keep North South. Or North South. Keeping North South. Yeah. About the aborted move to the Gold Coast. Talks to all the key players from the club in that. I'm not a key player in the club. They did, however, talk to me for it, and I was very right. glad to participate. Tumultuous times. It wasn't just director against director. It was journalist against journalist oh, yeah. fighting. Well, I remember it well. <laughs> yeah. Caro, I know. Caro well, and Pat. Well, you played a, a big part in that as well on SEN. So um, tune in, all fans. Uh, I saw a trailer for it, and it looks pretty good. Uh, really quickly, how big a trouble are the Saints in? Oh, they'll start again next year and be one of those teams that hope that they can build momentum early. Their biggest problem is that they've got a war chest that they've got a war chest that unfortunately can't 
be spent because players will not want to come to St Kilda. Your phone's ring. Yeah, and it's actually, I should show people who it is. His name is Peter Cullen. He's the man behind Reckling. Ah, yes. The Reckling football finals are coming up. He'll be calling me to umpire in those football finals. But Reckling is a great... It's a wonderful... It's football serving a real purpose for people that need it. So Community Cup every year, of course. And it's held at uh, the Peanut <clears throat> Farm, which is just behind Ackland Street. In the next week or so, I'll have um, maybe some more information on it before the end of the program. But I'll tell you this, that St Kilda will be overplaying some players next year because they won't attract anybody. Yeah. And that means, you know, you have to pay your list. What about four ruckmen, none of whom are necessarily that great? Well, Rowan Marshall would be a good hey, foil for somebody. Okay. I'm saying he's a good foil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no use keeping Hickey <laughs> along it. There's, there's absolutely no use pursuing them. I wish you hadn't done that then because I was going to say, oh, look, it's Caroline Wilson on the phone to complain to you about our coverage of the Gold Coast 10 years ago. I bumped into Caroline at a... Well, actually, I didn't. I was at a function that Caro was at um, last Thursday afternoon. What was it? Uh, the Bob Rose lecture. Oh, good. You're going to ask me if we spoke? Did you speak? No. Okay. Uh, all right, let's move on. A it's... rose by any other name? <laughs> oh, hi, Caro. If you're watching, I'm sure you'll be watching. Let's move on. It's time now for Hot or Not. I did it differently this week. Very restrained. Well, I went the laid back sort of fun. Is that it was actual, more a bass. Was that actual real guitar fingering, or are you just being? No, well, see, I, I do play the bass, but I use a pick. I don't. I'm no good with the fingers, but I just it was sort of that sort of funky a black plectrum. bass player thing. You know that line is. Is it a pick or a plectrum? Well, either. Okay. There's a um, great South Park episode, Christian Rock Hard, where uh, Cartman tries to enlist Token, yep. the yep. black kid, as a bass player. And um, he knocks on the front door and Token says, I've got a bass. He says, Token, you're black. You've yeah. got a bass. And, of course, he picks it up, never having played it, and starts playing brilliantly. He goes, oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, I don't know why we're watching that. Not uh, to be confused with the Lord of the Rings episode where Token watches a video that's not Lord of the Rings. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I do remember that. All right, I'm kicking us <laughs> off. I love South Park. Uh, hot. And uh, his name is Jamie Cripps. And sometimes quite maligned, Finey. When West Coast give one of their less impressive performances, he's usually one of the guys <clears throat> who is fingered as being, metaphorically speaking, as being responsible for them not playing well. Uh, I thought he was great today. A game on the road, a game that might have presented a bit of difficulty. He was terrific. 23 disposals, three goals, two goal assists, eight, eight marks. Yes, eight marks. What I've written down here is, I was taking notes as I was watching it. For me, he is the difference between their forward line being troublesome for opponents and really, really hard. Because you talk about Darling Kennedy, Lacroix, we know what he can do. But then you throw in another mid-size forward who has a good footy brain, Cripps, covers plenty of territory, hard-working. Well, that, look, there's always a spot for him because <clears> he's very fast and he's picked for his forward pressure. His ability to run down opponents, yeah. and you know, just to apply that implied that somebody's always coming at you. Well, when the year they made the grand final, they had three great medium-sized forwards in Lacroix, him, and uh, Josh Hill, 
and Hills departed, but they've yep. found other things now, have they? Haven't they with Ryan and Rioli? Yep. That, no, that was a good pickup. The reason I was smiling then was because, unfortunately, Jamie Cripps does bear a striking resemblance to a porn star called Tom Byron, and that's all I've got in my head when I see him. But if well, West Coast, all I've got in my head is he's a, a, another. Look, St Kilda. St Kilda well, yeah. St Kilda had potentially two very handy forwards. <laughs> My son's here tonight. Oh, why? Well, so you've got to have two very handy forwards yeah. that they never played. And look, Cripps. Tom never, Lynch. Cripps didn't want to be at the club. He was sort of problematic. He wanted to be back in WA. Nevertheless, they lost Cripps and Tom Lynch without ever really seeing them. And you know, John Coleman actually turned up to train at St Kilda once. Yeah, I, th- I saw Jenkins kick seven goals this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Where did he start? No. Josh Jenkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yes, <laughs> and Coleman didn't trade at St Kilda. I just sort of throw that. Do one you know in the it. club that Coleman did trade at, uh, and the thought that they were, they had him Melbourne, down to rights? Melbourne was no it? Richmond. He was he was surprised. No, he, he Richmond thought that he was a Richmond player. Yeah, and he actually stood <clears> out of football for a year. And the intention Coleman, yeah, at local football, not ah. Yeah, okay. And I thought he, I thought he, Melbourne was a club he always No, no, Rich, Richmond was very much a club he was going to play for, but Essendon are very good at getting their man and have been historically. Yes, and renewed that in recent years, fortunately. Okay, your turn. Okay. Wayne back. My hot is the Bulldogs. Look, I really like the way they finished the season. I've been a, a critic of a team that's been most unsettled for uh, the 24 months almost 24 months since they've won the Premiership. But for whatever reason, injuries or finally, you know, trying every flavour in their ice cream parlour, in the last six weeks, there has been a more settled lineup. He's actually persisted with players that probably could have been dropped. Ed Richards, um, you know, has been persisted with. Gowers has been, if he's available, played at every... Opportunity. So too has Lipinski, <clears throat> the unfortunate Lipinski who got injured. Just Lipinski before, just before the end of the the home and away season. But in playing consistently with a twenty-two or say a twenty-five that included a couple of youngsters and bolters from nowhere, I think that um, they they should look. Their summer will go a lot quicker than Carlton supporters and St Kilda supporters. They'll be looking forward to next year, the Doggies. Well, have a look at the sides outside the eight. North, you know, you can argue a case that they're going to keep going or not, but Port underperformed. Essendon... They can't wait till next year. Exactly. Adelaide, very underperformed. But they want to get back on the horse. Bulldogs... Can't wait to get back on them. Brisbane think that they're about to... They don't don't all fit, though, finally, do they? Quickly, Mastro. David says, will Dowhouse go to Geelong? Uh, I hadn't heard that, Dave. He'll go somewhere. He'll not stay at the Bulldogs. Why do you say that so categorically? Because he's out of favour. He's, he's one of those players <clears> that <throat> I think Luke Beveridge feels after the Premiership win. Took his eye off the ball. Did not recommit to the rigours of AFL football in the in the required manner. Liberatore coming back from injury, of course. What about Shane Biggs giving it away at 27 or whatever? In yeah, fact, I was surprised he was that old. But uh, he's, got, seeing, he's got trains to rob. We're seeing that more and more, aren't we? And what a great moment. We saw the footage a few times. He set up, basically, that goal for William Pickett in the grand final, yep. which just about clinched it. Fantastic solo effort by him. And remember, this is a play that the Swans, and the Swans are pretty good at sorting wheat from chaff, <clears throat> didn't find much going for. You nah. Know? So, no, there's a couple I, like that now. Nankervis? Yeah, well, 
Oh, look, Vancouver's was because there was limited opportunities there. Just mm. They thought that they had the ruck division covered. And, of course, that's changed in the last 12 months drastically with Kurt Tippett retiring. But they thought that they had ruck, rucks covered. And they actually sort of said, take the shorter one. All right, my son's giving us a wind-up. Okay. Should very quickly, too. David actually played in a winning side today. They won their first game of the season, 5-0. Didn't score. Who are they playing? Witches heads? No, they were playing themselves. <laughs> they were. There's two. There was two sides okay. in this uh, league for Ashburton. Anyway, I used they, to love intra club. Five I used to love intra club games. Well, they got to wear a different st- a strip, a slightly more aesthetically pleasing strip too, because <laughs> they usually wear green. All right, talking gibberish tonight. Um, I've got a knot next, and we did touch on this during the wraparound. Yep. It is Carlton. Now I, I've been a staunch defender of the journey that they are on but i have not i know you have <laughs> and plenty of other people haven't as well but you've got to just sit back and look at the bottom line and that is statistically their worst season ever two wins out of 22 a percentage of 59.3 so two wins and 59.3 it's the worst record in afl footy since gws's second season when they only won one game and had 50 percent three losses by 100 points or more and an average losing margin of nearly 49 points per game. That is horrendous. And for the first time, I'm starting to think, yeah, are these guys really buying into the plan? And if there is a plan, what actually is it? Because we don't have nearly as firm a sense of the way that they want to play footy. Have a look at the team. Okay, I love Patrick Cripps, Mm. and Charlie Kurnow is a standout. <coughs> he's very quick on the lead. He's he's just a very good footballer. Um, okay, their next best player is Cade Simpson. Mm. Played his 300th game this year. Doherty was a huge loss. Yep. Admit that, he'll be back. I've got two more two more pluses out of it. And one was pretty late. Yeah. One, Zach Fisher. I think he really came it, on this year. Is it, but, you know, look, he's been great. Given the limitations of being a little body in a big, in a very yeah, rough yeah. and tumble sport. The other one of a similar ilk. He's just impressed me a bit the last few weeks. Paulson. I don't mind Paulson. Yeah. I'm des- I'm trying to find something here, but it, look, it is a knot. They're in a, a hell of a hole. Fifth wooden spoon since 2002. And at that stage, I hadn't won any. Yeah. yeah look, I, I people think oh, I've given. Past comments I've made about Carlton, you delight in their struggle. But I'm here to talk Mm. about them, and I don't particularly delight in their struggle. In fact, as a football club, there is some disorder in my football world with them at the bottom. Yeah, I really do. You know, Carlton belong. I'm not saying Carlton belong at in a premiership or in a grand final or in the finals, but they should be playing in front of big crowds. At the MCG, just like Richmond should and do, and Essendon <coughs> well, should and on, do. It's gone on a while now, it's though. Gone, hasn't it's it? gone on way too long. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And you wonder whether, you know, going back to the salary cap breaches, et cetera, et cetera. No, that, that is such a. No, uh, no, but. It's such a crux. That excuse is. That's not what I was going to say, though. Yeah. I'm talking more about um, once the bubble of self belief as a club was punctured, okay. they don't have nearly as strong a. Uh, constitution as they did. Look, there's no doubt that, you know, Hubris is a bitch and this is a club that really believed because historically they had always been able to produce the checkbook and 
get somebody to get them out of the trouble. When Barassi came, the 60s were a pretty poor mm. period for the club. So they, they had a messiah complex. Yeah. And that messiah complex continued through Barassi, through interstate signings, right up to Pagan, yeah. Malthouse, yeah. Judd. But they finally understood that they needed to embrace the concept of a draft and the need to develop young players, and they've done that. Just, and they still... Yeah, well, you've got to ask, has the damage already been done? And they still... There's a miss in the machine. And the miss in the machine seems to be just an impression that I get um, that there are still there's still a lot of old thinking in the board and around the club that really it, it's... You know, the idea of a sort of a... a, a a puppet pulling the strings exists at Carlton more than anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's been very hard to throw off. See, when David starts doing that. No, it doesn't matter. That's, this is better to talk about. This is more important. Okay, now your turn. Go. Uh, my knot is Brisbane. Not that the, I don't like Brisbane. In fact, I found them quite entertaining this year. But the bottom line is they had five wins this season. One more than Gold Coast. Three less than Fremantle. Half a game more than St Kilda. They're being fated as having a wonderful <clears throat> season, being wonderfully competitive. They didn't win enough games. Five is not enough. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's the same as last year. It is. Now, ultimately, that's your profit and loss statement, is your win-loss record. And they haven't won any more games. And five is not enough. Now, I know that they were competitive in a number of games, but they just should have, you know... Fatted up the cow with seven or eight wins. They, they should not be at five wins. And I'm not saying that they're a, a bust, and I'm not saying that there's not a future there, but I'm saying that all of this bullish <clears throat> you know, talk about Brisbane and what a positive season it's been belies the fact that they only won five games. And that list and the team they put on the field is better than five wins. Yeah, I understand the argument. I reckon you're a little bit harsh. I reckon second year for Fagan. And we see it a bit. You know, a side takes some steps. It doesn't necessarily go up in a nice symmetrical curve line. You know, and we've seen that at a higher end, admittedly, but with, you know, Geelong and with Richmond. Yep. You know, the development can go like this, and then there's one year. Well, it, hasn't, it certainly hasn't been one of those years. Yeah, but five's not enough. I, I, yeah, I reckon I reckon at the end of next year, if they're at that point, then you fire your okay. bullets. But, right. but uh, no, I understand I, the I, argument. And it's not their <clears throat> fault. Look, it's not Brisbane's fault. Well, it is. No, no, I'm saying, but I, I don't think they're tracking badly. What I'm, what I'm down on is all of this, you know, bullish talk around them yeah. where there's so much finger-pointing at teams very close to them on the ladder. Yeah, they get a bit of a free pass because we like Chris Fagan and they've got some good kids and people yeah. like Hodgie. And, you know, yeah. Well, that's the media, isn't it? Correct. And we're always slagging the media off. Um, all right, uh, I'm going to finish off with another hot and another team, very team-focused this week. Mine too, yeah. Can't go past the pies. And, we yes, we talked about them earlier, but phenomenal effort. 13th last year. Coach that far from getting the chop. Up to third. 15 wins. They've gone from 9 wins to 15 wins. Not only that, they have done it with a list absolutely decimated. Now, I haven't seen comparisons in terms of injuries and games lost and whatever, but I would argue very strongly that injuries have affected them more than any other club. I went through their injury list the other week when there were 15 on it. This is only two weeks ago. 
And of the 15, I had 10 of the missing players in their best 22. Funnily enough, the thinking on that may have changed now because of the performances of some of these guys who've come in and filled the breach. They have been absolutely wonderful. But it's testament to their depth. It's also testament to their coaching. Hasn't been lost on me that Nathan Buckley's been a much more relaxed person this year. Now, it's easy to be more relaxed when you're winning. But I, I just get the impression, and talking to people too, that micromanaging has been a real issue for him, despite often his best intentions. I think he's finally got the hang of it. I think he's finally been able to sit back and take on board the advice, not only of his assistants, but senior players on that list too. They're definitely playing a, um, a more attractive and more efficient style of football. Remember last year, the amount they used to buggerise around with the ball? Like, you know, they'd lead, contest a ball lead possessions, but it went nowhere. They're a far more direct side now. They use handball really creatively. These are all um, vindications of coaching, and I, I think he's clearly getting through to the players more. They've had surprising players really step up to the plate. I did write down one figure. Sorry, two guys just before you go. Brody Majacek, 23 goals in 12 games. Wonderful effort from him. No one would have expected that. Ten of their best players have played a total of 70 out of a possible 220 games. So that tells you how much good footy, the how much footy the likes of Trelaw, Moore, Dunn, Reed, Elliott, Wells, Goldsack, Ace, Sharonberg, and Broomhead have played. Uh, Paul Green says hot Grundy Brownlow chance um, should be. Will he be? No, because he's not a ground level player. It's a pity, isn't it? Him and Gorn <clears throat> would be great, worthy recipients, either of them, of the Brownlow. Just on Collingwood, the letter M at Collingwood. Yeah. Now, if I would have told you at the start of the year that Magden, Murphy, Maine and Mychek yeah. would all be part... Wouldn't have picked it funny. You wouldn't have... You'd say... Wouldn't have thought about it, but wouldn't have picked it if I had thought but, about it. But if I said, at the end of the year, <clears throat> yeah, they're yeah. going to be in the team... yeah. You would have thought that they're going to win the spoon. Yeah. If Chris Maine's playing, yeah, but it can I mean, be, I, I had yeah. Murray, but I've had to. <laughs> well, I've had to scratch. Oh, him. Well, I was going to say five M's. It can be a bit of a curse. The H's at Essendon. You know, Essendon's performance has lifted since no Howlett, no Hocking. Um, who else was still well, there? Was Hurley, Hurley, Hooker, Hooker. Apple. Yep. Um, where's this going? It's your turn, Hill. <laughs> I'm going to think of another old, old player. Starts it's, it's actually funny because I was Shane watching. Heard. I was watching a James Heard. I was watching a um, hurry up. I was watching the Kevin Sheedy special last night. Yeah, I've IQ'd it. Is and, it good? Yeah, brilliant. And he talks. They talk about Paul Hills. Oh yeah, yeah. And he stood him up in front of the. He stood him up in front of the players at the start of the season. Yeah. And he said to the team, "Look at the muscles on Paul Hills." That's all he could come up with. Oh really? He thought he was really well built. Yeah. Um, yeah, he faded into obscurity very quickly for one reason or another. Go on. Do, do you know one day before a game, before a big game, what he did? Uh, I don't know. If he handed out a piece of paper. On, yeah. the, on the paper were all the postmen that had become Hollywood actors. Oh, she did that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, completely bad. What postmen had become well, no, Hollywood he, actors? In fact, the night... Mark Thompson said, we're turning around, what's all this about? True story. Uh, the night of the night after the 93 Grand Final, so I got an invite to the Essence Celebration at the Hilton and uh, stumbled out about 2am, just as Sheeds came out. I'd already spoken to him, you know, so I was just saying, oh, you know, I love his shoes, I love his... And he pulls out his notes. 
And it's pre-match notes from the game. There's four or five pages, mad five or six different coloured highlighters. Oh, he's brilliant. And uh, yeah. my uh, then wife um, had a look at them and uh, waited till we got out and said, "What the hell was that stuff?" And I said, "That were his, that was his notes before the grand final." Yeah. And anyway, it's all intuitive with sheets. Brilliant, brilliant man. Okay, finishes off. Uh, just very quickly, we've talked about him, so we can do this briefly. <clears throat> Melbourne hot. Look, well done, Melbourne. I think your ladder position actually sort of belies the good season that you've had. And we know that there's been logjam. <coughs> we shouldn't have lost to St Kilda, maybe a couple of other games. But they have not fallen into the finals for their first appearance in over a decade. They are worthy. They've finished the year beating two teams that are in the eight, which was the miss in the machine throughout the year. And they've done it with, they've done it with injuries. Look, people forget the key players that are injured. If I ask you which players have been injured for them or who's missing, who would you say? Viney. Yep. Um, who else? Hogan. Uh, Hogan. Um, because they lost Jake Lever. Now, Jake Lever yeah, was just... I that. I'm saying people have forgotten yeah, that. Yeah. He was just rolling in yeah. to exactly the player they wanted. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good call. Anyone else? Well, Hibbard's, you know, been oh, fighting. Oh, yeah, back now. I'm saying, but he's fought some injury problems. Yeah. Well, they had a spate, didn't they, where they lost uh, Hibbard, they lost Melksham, um, one of the on-ballers was missing. Actually, we didn't we didn't talk about their injuries earlier. They've now lost Tyson with a broken arm. Correct. And uh, who's the other one today? Well, who? Dean oh, Kent. Dean Kent. Dean Kent. Yeah, yeah. Look, Vandenberg has come back there. Oh. They've... They've certainly had to go to players that you would not have expected. And here is uh, an old colleague of mine finally, Darren Cartwright, who uh, a long-time uh, press box colleague who yep. I'm sure he won't mind us saying. We used to call motor, as in motor mouth, because this man can talk for Australia. Good to hear from you, mate. He says, despite Melbourne, mad D's supporter, despite Melbourne scoring a great win, they still butcher the ball going into attack. The wind wallpapered over some gaping gaps in their foot skills. Yeah, I reckon you're a little harsh. And the antidote to that, even if you accept that, is they've got a range of targets now. It's not all going to go through the one or two players all the time. I think that makes a difference. And Hannon didn't play today, did, did he? He was a late withdrawal, wasn't yeah. he? So he's another one. You've got, you got him, you've got Melksham, you've got Petrarca, you've got Wiedemann. I think he's acquitted himself well. It's interesting. You know, at the start of the year, Jaden Hunt would have been in everybody's yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they've, they've re recrafted their side, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. Now, look at you. Well, I know you watch them really closely, Darren. Um, so, yeah, look, at, they have to tidy up. I mean, their conversion was ordinary. cost them that game Petr- against the Swans. Petrarch is a bit of a warrior in front of goal. Yeah, he was, he was playing a bit Hollywoodish today, wasn't yeah. he? A couple of really wasteful little overhand balls when he might, yep. have, he might have just been able to um, nail it himself. But it's a decent problem to have. When you're the highest-scoring side in the league, you're scoring 104 points per game. Uh, their attack, to me, is their strong suit. But fair point, and I'll uh, I'll take it on board. I'll, I'll pass it on to the uh, the coach. That's hot or not? Was that the last one? Sure was. Oh, yeah, it was yours, wasn't it? Yep. We crept on so long that I forgot whose turn it was. All right, that's it for hot or not. It's that part of the program, Fine. Are you fired up? No, not really. Well... I'm, fire up. I'm exhausted. I know oh, you unpotted over. But... Fire up. Oh, fire up. Because it's time for the Rant Off. Oh. 
All right. Listen, assistant, faithful assistant, get that a lot closer, that little prop you have there. I'm cramping up. No, it needs to be somewhere near the camera, so I suggest slightly to the right. A prop? Up and slightly to that side of the lens. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. You're going to count me in for it. Where do you reckon I'm going this week, by the way? Uh, probably to Canberra. I am going to Canberra, and it's going to be a fun trip. Come with me, people. Hey, could you do it in a Scottish accent like that Labour... Senator? Oh, Doug Cameron. Oh, I love him. Do you want me to draw like Peter Harvey? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> is it Peter Harvey? Grandma. He's no longer Peter with us. Harvey, I have done that. Peter Harvey, not with us. The late Peter Harvey. Well, yeah. it was in tribute to him. Count you, me you in. You could do Lane. Mm. What's his name? Lane Calcutt. No. Just count me in. <laughs> count me in. <clears throat> uh, three, two, and party vote. I'm pissed off with politics, Finey. What a circus going on in Canberra. Seven Prime Ministers in 11 years now, and we might have an eighth by this time next year. That's the sort of tin pot instability that brings to mind only one comparison. And that, of course, is the Richmond Football Club of the 1980s and 90s. Now, I'm sure Tiger fans remember how their club went through 10 coaches in 16 years as they sunk to new lows. But just to emphasise the extent to which the world's been tipped on its head, Richmond these days are reigning premiers, just finished two games clear on top of the ladder again, and they've had the same coach for nine years now. I think there's a lesson in that for the Liberal Party, Fine. It's that only through true misery can they find true contentment. And it's why they have to do the sort of hard yards the Tigers did when they were at their lowest ebb. That's right, Finey. I want to see enraged Liberal Party supporters dropping a truckload of chicken manure on the steps of Parliament House. I want to see fans of the coalition microwaving their American Express gold cards. And I want to see a Save Our Skins type tin rattling campaign where loyal volunteers traipse around the streets of Sydney's North Shore asking Liberal Party backers to deposit their spare jewellery or at least hand over details of our latest tax dodging schemes. Most of all, I want to see a fundraising Canberra Legends game between the Libs and the ALP, like Richmond had against their old enemy Carlton back in 1990. Imagine a finey, little Johnny Howard in a back pocket, but this time not a back pocket of the US. We could have Julie Bishop squaring off against Julia Gillard, Tony Abbott talking about shirt fronts, but getting barrelled instead by Paul Keating. And who wouldn't pay good money to see Peter Dutton get belted by players from both teams? Richmond got through the dark years, and look where they are now. And so could this government, Finey, if they don't chicken out and get Uncle Rupert to give them a cushy gig as another barking mad panellist on Sky News. Mm. Peter Harvey, Canberra. Yeah, yeah, you look... You uh, hate it when I get political, I know. They are a bit of a shambles. Oh, shambles. I'm not a Liberal Party man, but I was following it quite closely, and... Let me just get this right. So, the challenge to Malcolm Turnbull came from Tony Abbott and Peter Dutton. Well, allegedly. Correct. And to remove him, there was a vote, and it went 40... Well, originally there was a vote of confidence in him. Yeah. And a week later, or thereabouts, 45 to 40 voted to remove him as leader. Yeah. But then they voted 45 to 40 to replace him with Scott Morrison, who was in Malcolm Turnbull's camp. Well, it was Turnbull's last act of up yours, basically, to his would-be usurpers, because he saddled them 
with a more moderate version or a you know someone on basically the same wavelength as himself. Tony TC says, finey for PM. Slogan, things are going just finey. Yeah, you know what? What party would I be? Um, you know who I voted for at the last elections? I don't know if I want to know this. Oh, I know what you're going to say. They're not called the sex party No, anymore. I didn't vote for the sex party. Oh, okay. I voted for the fishing and hunting party. Oh, Ricky Muir's mob. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Hunting, shooting and fishing. Yeah. I thought, and rooting, but unfortunately that's not part of their policies. They turned out to be a bit conservative for me across the board. But anyhow, so basically <coughs> we had a, a change of prime minister, a total you know, bearing in public of the in-house fighting that is the Liberal Party mm. for no real change in philosophy. Pretty much. We didn't move to the right as Dutton and his no. supporters would have us do. We Correct. Stayed where Pretty we, much where we were. We stayed where we were. Yep. So the party sort of, you know... And is facing an electoral massacre. I'm, so, the, I'm saying they only had a one seat. Yeah. Majority in here. So the party, They're in all sorts fighting. So the party changed nothing yep. but disgraced themselves. Correct. I don't think I can vote for them. Well, I'm pretty sure a lot of people who used to vote for him might not be voting for him anymore. There's a common denominator in all of this, and his initials are Tony Abbott. But my, mother, time... my mother hates Tony Abbott. Well, uh, this isn't politicology, but if I was a diehard Liberal voter, which I'm not, obviously, either, but either, either am I he or is my the mother. greatest wrecker Australian politics has ever seen. Everything he has achieved has been through being... Uh, a bastion of negativity, but, but, and now he's destroyed his own party. Good job, Tones. But isn't that like Kevin Rudd? Aren't the? Isn't the? Yeah, it's the, not bad. His Labor's aren't the pair to... of them. The pair of them are. <laughs> David's giving it as a wind up. You he know, I've got like a politics. theory on Kevin Rudd. Hurry up! What? Kevin Rudd's wife is in fact Kevin Rudd in a black curly wig. Yeah, Therese Rain. Okay, Simon says footy. Anyone? Yeah. Yeah, no. Fair we get the message. Too. Okay. Yep. Three, two, one. Rant. I know a lot of people are pissed off with the buy that we are about to face. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. You can have your EJ Witten's game in South Australia. You can have it in South America. You can have it on the beaches of Brazil. But it's not going to satiate football fans who say, "Why are we having a break?" Why are we parting with the tradition that saw us play home and away games and then swing into the final series? It seems to be a bit of a whim. And for those people that believe that it is an unfair advantage to the bottom half of the eight and disadvantages the top half of the eight, that is common sense. And like Rowan Connolly, you are correct. But for those of you that complain that it leaves us with a weekend bear of football, giving a free kick to sports like rugby league and whatever other sports are going to be played this weekend. Not netball, I saw that finish this weekend, but there'll be something that fills the void. Then I have no pity for you because, you see, you've got a week without football if you barrack for Richmond, West Coast, Collingwood, Hawthorne, Melbourne, GWS, Sydney, or I'll tell you who the other team is, Geelong. Think about it from a St Kilda supporter's perspective. 31 weekends of buys, 31 weekends to lick our wounds and to remember the season that was. 31 weeks for Lewis Pearce to lose all the momentum he gained in three mediocre games of football. 31 weeks for Hugh Goddard to 
wish that he was the Goddard being <clears throat> shared off at the end of his career rather than the one that played one final game of football against Hawthorne and only got two possessions. One 31-week break for a team that deserves about two hours off before they should be flogged and forced on the training field to prepare for next season. But no, unfortunately for St Kilda fans, we have to live with a season of absolute abysmal performance for 31 weeks. It's not a week off of football that I dread. It's the best part of six and a half, seven months until St Kilda has the opportunity to make up for what can only be described as anus horribilis, or as I prefer pronounced, horrible anus. You you are scarred by St Kilda's. Oh no, it was a very poor, very poor. No, you, you've ranted about them several but times. But it was just a, just mm. nothing. Even mm. in games, anything that looked promising. No, they gave you nothing. Anything that looked promising, there was plenty of effort. Mm. Effort was not rewarded. A good quarter was backed up by then a poor quarter. Mm. Nothing stuck. Nothing good stuck. Only shite. And you know what? I know this is unfair, but. I watch Sydney play, and I see Tom McCartan, and I think... You've got the wrong we, McCartan. You know, you don't get many number one draft picks. And he's... You know Tom McCartan's the youngest player in the AFL? I do. Even that's a reminder of what sort of year this was. Not a good one. Well, Paddy's had a, a pretty cursed run. Just um, before we read one from Jam Tilly, and we will read it out, practical point, 31 weeks. Now, it's 52 weeks in a year. That only leaves 21 over. Yeah. What happened to the other week? Oh, we don't start playing any good football. <laughs> we're, sh- we're hopeless for the first <laughs> round or two. Either that or your maths are dodgy. Uh, Jam Telly says, have the two buys at round 8 and 16, no footy at all on those weekends, and have a trade week in round 16. Yeah, about the trade, mid-season trade week. I think, I think there should be a mid-season. But my, again... Mid-season trade. My biggest issue with... Not the, draft, trade. My biggest issue with the pre-finals buy has nothing to do with interrupting momentum or whatever. It is about an unfair advantage or disadvantage. An advantage lost. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And, and I'm big on that, correctly rewarding sides who have worked for 22 rounds and six months to uh, attain that advantage. And, and like I said, this year... Um, the evidence so far is one all, one in the negative, one in the positive. Let's see what uh, is thrown up by this year's final series. Are we done? We're done. We're all done. We're all silent. Uh, thanks for uh, watching us again. Tell all your friends and colleagues about this show because we want to spread the gospel a bit and we want to get uh, some of those commercial TV programmers having a look at us and thinking that we might pick it up. Any last words of wisdom? To quote Sarah Jones... It was huge. Uh, I was going to quote Tom Byron, but it's a family show, so I'll, I'll do that later. Good on you, Tom. Quote Lord Byron. Uh, <laughs> I'm not up on Lord Byron. I know he was, though. Uh, thanks. Uh, don't forget to tune in on Thursday for our audio podcast, which will be going even during the bye week. Have a lovely evening, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>